Welcome to the St. Richard's Episcopal Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Rev. Cameron Nations. For more information, please visit strichards.org. Okay, so today I'm going to begin with a question and a prop. I usually don't have one. I was actually instructed in homiletics class, you should never preach with props because that's a gimmick. However, I've been out of seminary long enough now and I'm just doing what I want, okay? So, um, so I have a question for all of you. What is this? What is this? Can you, can you see? Yes. A wa- it is a communion wafer. It's a communion wafer. I know it's very small, so for those of you in the back, and certainly if you were listening to this as a podcast and you can't see anything, you need me to narrate for you that this, this is in fact a communion wafer. Now, I pulled this out of the sacristy. This is not a consecrated wafer out of the tabernacle. Um, this is, uh, but it is, it's a communion wafer. Now, uh, if you had said this is the bread of heaven or... Uh, body of Christ or something like that, you still in some sense, well, I guess, you, it, you know, it's not consecrated, so I guess it wouldn't have been right, but in some sense, you wouldn't have been off base, right? Because this is a communion wafer, but it's also quite a bit more than just a communion wafer, isn't it? Or at least it is after we pray for it. Or pray not for it, that's a weird way of putting that, but you get what I'm saying, Right? And in fact, actually, the fact that we would say that this is something different now than it would be if I stuck it up on the altar and we used it for communion is actually kind of evidence of what I want to preach about this morning, which is about prayer, about prayer. You see, I've been uh, doing this class uh, throughout, well, this season after Epiphany, since Bishop Doyle's visit. I've been doing a class on the sacraments, and we just finished that up just now today. We've done seven weeks, one week for each of the sacraments, and uh, I've talked about how uh, the sacraments are all very ordinary things. Like, this is very ordinary. In fact, there's a joke about it's, it's harder to believe sometimes this is even bread than it is to believe that it's the body of Christ, right? I mean, these wafers are pretty unremarkable by themselves. Or baptism is just water. It's just, right, it's just a bath and we don't even use soap, you know? (laughs) A wedding is just some promises and a party. Or unction, anointing with oil, is just rubbing some olive oil on somebody's forehead, right? Just themselves, they're just these very plain things, but through the work of the Holy Spirit and surrounded in the context of our prayers, they all become something quite different, don't they? The waters of baptism aren't just water poured into a basin. But in the context of our prayers and through the work of the Holy Spirit, the waters of baptism become the doorway to our salvation. Or this little wafer does become for us, in some mysterious way, the body of Christ but through the power of the Holy Spirit. I can somehow, (laughs) through the power of the Holy Spirit and a lot of prayer, become a priest, believe it or not. Don't know why they thought that was a good idea, but somebody did. (laughs) 
telling you, the Holy Spirit's pretty powerful. And unction, right? Unction, anointing someone with oil, which is what we talked about today in, in my class on the sacraments, in the context of our prayers becomes a reminder to us, a sign for us, that we are united, or really that Christ is united with us in our suffering, and that we can be made whole in Christ Jesus. You see, all of the sacraments work like this. They are perfectly ordinary things. Sometimes extremely, I mean, you can't get more ordinary than water, right? They are extremely ordinary things, but in our prayers and through the power of the Holy Spirit, they become for us something extraordinary. Something extraordinary. Now today we read a story in the Gospel of Luke that's a pretty wild story, if you think about it. Jesus goes up to this mountain, he goes up this mountain, he brings some disciples with him, and he goes up to the mountain, as he so often does, to pray, to pray. Jesus goes up to the mountain to pray, and his disciples, like they so often do, end up falling asleep. <laughs> the, the disciples are, seem to always be doing that at crucial moments. Um, they fall asleep. But upon waking, they see that Jesus has been transformed, transfigured. He's glowing, he's radiant. And with him now are two figures that weren't there before, Moses on one side and Elijah on the other. And there is a whole lot that one can say about this passage. There's a lot going on here. I mean, you could talk about mountaintop experiences. You know, we have these. We go, uh, like, on a retreat, for instance, like our youth have been on this weekend. Or maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe confirmation or something uh, for you was this. Uh, but we have these mountaintop experiences where we, we get close to God and they're transformative, right? We could talk, talk about that. We could talk about how Moses and Elijah are uh, obviously very crucial figures in the life of the Old Testament, but what do they mean here? I mean, Moses, of course, not just representing Jesus' fulfillment of the law, right? I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. But also Moses, having led God's people out of bondage in Egypt, a reminder to us that Jesus is here to lead us out of bondage to sin. Elijah representing the prophetic tradition in which Jesus is a part and who helped foretell of his coming. There's a lot to talk about, but it is an odd reading, isn't it? And in the end, the, the disciples who are up there with Jesus, they, they decide not to say anything about it again. You know, they go off and, and don't say anything about it again. But I think we shouldn't miss the context of this. Which is, as I said, that all of this happens, because it's easy to get lost, because we get fixated on Jesus glowing, that's like a, a, an odd thing, so we get fixated on that, we get fixated on Moses and Elijah appearing, um, and we forget that what happened first was Jesus went up to the mountain and he prayed. He prayed. That's the context of all of this crazy stuff that happens after. <laughs> he prayed. Now, this is not the first time in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus goes to pray and something wild happens. <laughs> the presence of God descends in some way. The Holy Spirit shows up in some way. Uh, and I think one of them we're meant to think about here is Jesus' baptism. Of course, the Holy Spirit speaks in this. The voice, we hear a voice, 
This is God's son. What does it instruct us to do? Listen to him, that's right. But this is God's son. Um, right? Is Yes, yes. In whom I am well... That's right. At, at Jesus' baptism, you know, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. Another time where the Holy Spirit shows up in a significant way. And I think, much like the sacraments, prayer can work like this and does work like this in our own lives. That when we pray, we are opening ourselves to the work of the Holy Spirit. We are opening ourselves to the possibility that our lives, our entire lives and realities will be transfigured by the work of the Holy Spirit in them and through them. Just like we believe that in our prayers the Holy Spirit works in and through things like water and wafers and wine to be for us means of grace and salvation, so too can the Holy Spirit show up in our lives and transform them, utterly transfigure our realities. Now sometimes we can treat prayer, I'm guilty of this, we treat prayer in sort of two predominant ways, I think. We can treat prayer like wishes from a genie, you know, where God is a kind of genie in a bottle, and if we're really good, we can make a few wishes, <laughs> and he might grant them. But if you've been a Christian for longer than about five minutes, you know that that is not how prayer really works, is it, right? Because we've all prayed the genie prayer. We're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. God, if I could just cash in this wish, right? Which brings me to the second way that we often treat prayer, which is that we treat God almost like a vending machine and we can sort of cash in our tokens of holiness to get out, you know, some kind of thing that we desire. You know, like, well, God, I've, I've been very faithful this year. It's almost like Santa Claus, you know. <laughs> I've, been, I've been very faithful this year, God, and so I would really appreciate a good parking space today at church, you know. <laughs> And you know what's bad is when there is a good parking space and it reinforces this way of praying. <laughs> and it's not that God doesn't care about the minutiae of our lives. God does care about the minutiae of our lives, but God's not a vending machine and God is not a genie in a bottle. But I know and believe fundamentally that prayer does transfigure our realities. And I know that we all think this because before I said where this came from, there were probably some of you who kind of caught your breath, maybe. What's he going to do? Is he, if he drops it, does he have to eat it, right? We, <laughs> we get very worried because we're aware that prayer transfigures our world. It does. Prayer transfigures you and me. And so, to conclude today, Y'all always know I love it when our collect of the day coincides with the readings. You know, you know I love that. You know I love it. And today it does. Today our collect of the day thematically works with the readings. It's about transfiguration, going up on the mountain and being transfigured and transformed, prepared for us to bear our own cross. I mean, it's a pretty incredible collect. I invite you to go back and read it in your order of service. And to pray it again, maybe later today, because today is the last Sunday before we enter into the season of Lent. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. Talk about that at the announcements. 
And then next Sunday, we begin this journey towards Holy Week, a time of prayer, of fasting, of repentance, a time where we all are opening our hearts to the work of the Holy Spirit through prayer. And so today, it would be my prayer that we would be open to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, that we would be open to being transformed and transfigured as we look towards the glorious resurrection at Easter. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For service times or more information on St. Richard's, please visit strichards.org.